We're gonna start this morning with a question, and the question is this, have you ever, have you ever, have you ever had that experience in your life where you were, you said something to someone at some time, and either immediately or shortly thereafter, you just so wish you could take it all back. Anybody, can anybody relate to that one, you know? You just wish somehow you could erase what you said. Maybe, maybe you said some words in anger or frustration or desperation, or maybe they were words that came out of jealousy or, or, or just a feeling of insecurity, or maybe in some pride and arrogance, and you just so, so wish you could go back and you could just pull those words out of the air before they reached the listener's ears. And you just so wish you could take back the hurt and the pain that you inflicted upon someone, if only, if only there were times we were just able to rewind at time and just stop ourselves from saying what we said, but we can't. So now that thing that we said is something that we have to live with, and even worse, they have to live with it too. I recently got a message uh, through Facebook from someone that I had not seen or spoken to in decades. It was a neighbor growing up uh, when we were just kids together growing up. And she reached out to me because my dad passed this summer and so she sent me this really nice note and said wonderful things about my parents. But then she also wrote this in the note. She said, I remember being a bully at times to you and Tim, my twin brother, and Mark, another kid in our neighborhood. She says, I'm embarrassed about that, but I've asked God to forgive me, and I will ask you to forgive me as well. Words that she had spoken over 50 years ago when we were all just kids playing in a neighborhood, they haunted her, and she deeply regretted having spoken them. She wished she could take them back. She wished she could erase them. And my reply to her was this. She said, I, I said, I don't, I don't even remember any of that. But what, what I did remember, as she mentioned that, I remember the times when I spoke very harsh and unkind words to another little boy in our neighborhood. In our neighborhood. And, and so I understand that feeling of embarrassment and, and that remorse that she felt all those years. I could empathize. Because 50 years later, I too wish that I could take back my harsh and my unkind, my hurtful words. Today's the second message in a series that, that we're calling Undone, Undone. And the idea for the series, it comes from a passage in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet of God in the Old Testament and chapter six of the book of Isaiah, it tells about his very up close and personal encounter with our creator, the living God. And so we're gonna look back at this encounter again this week. Pastor Randy shared it last week. We're gonna look at it again. It says, in the year the king Uzziah died, I, meaning Isaiah, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, and one of them cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And so, He's in the presence of God. He sees this. He hears these angels. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. What is Isaiah's response? He says, woe is me, 
for I am undone. You see, when Isaiah came into the presence of God, this very up close and personal encounter, he was able to see things about God that he had not seen before. His majesty, his beauty, his holiness. And in that context, then he also saw things about himself that he likely had not seen before. You see, in the light of God's presence, his holiness, his beauty, uh, his majesty, Isaiah saw and deeply felt his own brokenness, his sinfulness, his uncleanness. And he says he was just undone. And folks, so too, you and I, when we get into the presence of God sufficiently, which always involves encountering him in his word, then, then we too will see things about ourselves that are extremely, extremely uncomfortable, sometimes even devastating. We too will feel that brokenness, that, that sinfulness. We'll probably feel like a mess, just utterly undone. It's in the light of his presence so that we realize that we are not who we thought we were. We are not who we project ourselves to be to others or online. We're even far from who we want to be, so, so far from who we want to be. So it's a very, very uncomfortable, even a scary place to be. But it, folks, it is absolutely necessary if we are going to experience cleansing, if we're going to experience healing, if we are going to have the image of our creator restored in us, the image of our creator who we bear to be like him, if that's ever going to be restored in us, this is an absolute necessary experience to have. So I want to warn you, if you can't tell already, I'm going to warn you right up front, we're going to get real uncomfortable today. <laughs> real uncomfortable as we allow the light of God's word to shine upon us, to shine in us and through us, as we allow God to speak to us through his word on a very particular topic. You see, Isaiah said, woe is me for I am undone. But then look what he said after that. He says, because I am a man of what? Unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Today our topic, what we're gonna talk about is what we're gonna call unfiltered speech. Did you know that in 2006, there were these four young men who wanted to set everyone free to express their emotions and their opinions online. They, they thought unfiltered speech is a good thing through something called Twitter. And it, that was in 2006. So like a decade later, the New York Times did this article and they were asking the question, how's it going? And one of the very founders, Evan Williams, he said this, he says, I think the internet is broken. He said, the, the article talked about all the negative, the bad, the hurtful, the abusive ways that social media is being used. And then Williams himself said this. He says, I thought once everyone could speak freely and exchange information and ideas that the world is automatically going to be a better place. I was wrong about that. I was wrong about that. Here's the thing, folks. The internet isn't broken. We, we are broken. Our creator has given us this incredible gift of speech. 
I mean, this ability to use words to communicate with one another. And with this gift comes freedom. I mean, just like every good and wonderful thing that God gives to us, we are free to choose. Just as Pastor Pete said, we are free to choose how we will use this gift. And James, he says this, talking about this freedom that we have. With our tongue, we give thanks to our Father in heaven, and with our tongue, we speak bad words against men who are made like God, made in his image. Giving thanks and speaking bad words, they come from the same mouth. They come from the same mouth. We are free to choose our words, and therefore it is absolutely imperative that you and I understand that with this freedom comes tremendous power. Power. Look at these words from Proverbs. Death and life are in the power of the what? The tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You and I, we are absolutely free to speak good words in good ways that will help and heal others' life. And then you and I are also free to speak bad words in bad ways that will hurt and harm others' death. So let's start then by examining the scope of our brokenness. When we say unfiltered speech, what exactly are we talking about? What are these words that lead to death? Scripture in the New Testament is quite massive. So we're gonna run through a few of these. In Galatians, it says, instead of showing love among yourselves, you are always critical and catty. The person who's always doing the critical talk, criticizing people, caddy, that deliberate, hurtful remark that you act like it wasn't hurtful, but that's exactly what you meant to do, cut someone down. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Hostility, hostility is words. Quarreling, outburst of anger, using our words to express our angers. Complaining, again, there's the criticizing. First Peter says we should have no sharp, tongue sarcasm whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech unfiltered speech some people like to make cutting remarks there's the sarcasm again quarreling harsh words should have no place in your lives no place Colossians you must rid yourself of all such things as this slander and what kind Filthy language, filthy. When they gave God up, their lives became full of every kind of wickedness and sin. What were some examples in that scripture? Lying and gossip. Every kind of wickedness and sin, lying and gossip, unfiltered speech. Romans 3, their talk is foul and it's filthy like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are loaded with lies. Their mouths are full of cursing. There it is for us. There it is, our creator through his word, shining the light of his truth on our broken, broken way of communicating. The scope of our unfiltered speech, our unclean lips. Now I bet somebody's thinking, come on, Kim, they're just words. What's the big deal? Are they? Are they just words? I mean, look what else James says. This is fascinating. 
He says a tiny rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot wants it to go, even though the winds are very strong. So also the tongue is a very small thing compared to our whole body, but what enormous damage it can do. Now you can see to me, the word that popped out when I read this scripture is the word do, do. And that's because of this. If you don't hear anything else today, get this one, folks. Words don't just say things. Words do things. Words do things every time we speak them. They, they might do things like this. We can use our words to compliment, to appreciate, to advise, to teach, to encourage, to empower, to bless, to celebrate, to heal. Because the life is in the power of the tongue. But then we can also use these tongues and we can speak words that do these kinds of things. They criticize, they complain, they lie, they deceive, they manipulate, they control, they demean, they cut, they wound, they hurt, they tear down, they destroy because death is in the power of the tongue. When I was about 12 years old, my grandfather, someone who should speak words of life and love to me, my grandfather told me I was stupid. And then to further just describe, to describe how stupid he thought I was, he added an adverb that began with the letter F in front of it to his 12-year-old granddaughter. Those two words did enormous damage because words do things. They wounded my soul at a very deep level, and they left me with a hurt and broken heart for a very, very long time, most of my life, because death is in the power of the tongue. Words do things. Proverbs 15.4 gives some real specific things that words can do. Cutting words, it says that they will wound and they will maim. I'll bet many of you can remember a time in your life when cutting words wounded you, wounded your soul too. And unfortunately, it's highly likely for every single one of us that we too have spoken words that wounded the soul of someone else. When I think about that, I think, what if we could actually see the cuts that are made by our words? I mean, what if we could see the wounds that we inflict on a soul in a moment when we use our tongue like a sword, when our speech is unfiltered? What if in the midst of an argument, we could literally see the cuts we were inflicting on our loved one's soul because we are attacking them instead of attacking the problem? What if we could see the cuts that we were inflicting on someone when we just curse at them or when we speak vulgarity to them or around them? What if we could, every time we spoke negatively, sarcastically, slander, gossip about anyone, and they're not even in the room, but somehow we could see the deep cut it made on their soul in that instant? What if? Because words don't just say things, words do things. Sometimes I think we're totally, probably most of the time, totally unaware of the damage that is done from our unfiltered speech. 
There was a study done, I read about that, uh, it showed how both accuracy and performance suffered significantly when doctors spoke rudely to their staff. The researchers said that relatively benign forms of incivility among medical staff members, simple uh, rudeness that has robust implications on medical team collaboration processes and thus the performance of a team. It says that it steals their confidence and it weakens their motivation. So when I read that article, I thought, wow, I wonder wonder how many other places of work are being drastically impacted by negative words. You know, I wonder how, how often low performance is simply due to negative speech in the workplace. And then I thought about churches and just the profound impact that negativity, negative words will have on a church. It only takes one person's comments to get a fire of negativity going and it creates division and disunity in the church that Jesus is building, causing it to become just completely ineffective for God. And then I thought and I wondered about how many homes, how many homes are being dramatically impacted by negative words. I wonder how often a husband isn't able to function at his optimal level as a husband and a father because of the use of negative, critical words from a wife. And then I thought, I wonder how many wives and moms, they're not functioning to their highest potential because of negative, critical words from their husbands. It's stealing their confidence and weakening their motivation. And then kids, I wonder how many kids are suffering mentally, emotionally, psychologically because they live in a home where there's negative words, critical words, harsh words, hurtful words, profane words, cussing, where all that's the norm. I wonder. Examining the scope of what our creator considers to be un filtered speech is incredibly, incredibly important because the tongue is a small thing, but what enormous damage it can do, even in just a moment. So once we allow God's light to shine upon our unfiltered speech, we must then be willing to do this. We've got to be willing to own our unfiltered speech problem, own it. I mean, as we went through that list, which forms of unfiltered speech are wreaking havoc in your life, in your relationships, in mine? What, what forms of unfiltered speech are just doing enormous damage? Are we able to see it? Can we admit it? Can we own it as we sit here today? Or, or are we suffering from a very, very serious spiritual condition known as minimizitis, <laughs> minimizitis, say that five times real fast. It, this is a condition whereby we do not properly address a problem because we're too busy minimizing it. it. It goes something like this, I'm not critical, I just tell it like it is, I'm just honest, you know? Well, I only lie when it's necessary. It's not really gossip if I'm explaining how someone needs prayer, right? I was only joking, don't be so sensitive. Oh, you're so sensitive, you can't take a joke. What's the big deal with cuss words? They're just words. Besides, who gets to decide which words are profanity? Come on. Minimize-itis. 
We minimize the negative impact on others and we minimize the grip it has on us and the damage it does to our own souls. We can't address a problem that we don't see as a problem. Rabbi Joseph Telushkin, he's an author who lectures often on the powerful and usually negative impact of words. And he'll often ask his audience this, in a room full, he'll say, can you go 24 hours without saying any unkind words about or to another person? And he says when he does that, invariably, the audience laughs at him. They chuckle. <laughs> right, 24 hours. And then he says something that we even call out, no, no. And then Telushkin says this, he says, those who can't answer yes must recognize that you have a serious problem. He explains that if we can't go 24 hours without alcohol, then we are addicted to alcohol, you know? If we can't go 24 hours without smoking, then we're addicted to nicotine. And he says this, if you, if you can't go 24 hours without saying unkind words, then perhaps we are addicted to negative words. Addicted. We will never break the power that unfiltered speech has over us until we own it. And what I'm talking about is an honest, deep confession of the soul about feeling the seriousness of our brokenness in this area and the enormous damage it is doing to others and to ourselves. I'm talking about having an undone kind of moment like Isaiah had, an undone moment like the Apostle Paul in Romans 7. Can, can you just feel the weight of his brokenness as we read this, the depth of it? Paul says, I don't understand why I act the way I do. I don't do the good thing that I want to do. Instead, I do the evil that I hate. And he says, what a miserable person I am. I'm undone. I can't stand this. And he cries out, who will rescue me? Thank God, Jesus Christ will rescue me. You see, owning it means that I see clearly and I understand deeply, this is bad. Not that I'm bad, this is bad. This is, this is not good. I am broken. I am undone by my brokenness and I desperately need rescuing. We cannot break the power and the hold that unfiltered speech has on us until we own it, until we're undone by it. You know, I'm convinced that many of us, that's the problem. We never break free from bad habits because, because we don't own it. We never move from the minimizing it to the owning part and thereby then we don't experience the healing and the change and the transformation that God wants to bring about in our lives. We never get there because we never simply own it because we're never undone. We're never undone by our brokenness. You know, in church world, we often talk about how Jesus saves us, right? Jesus saves. And unfortunately, so many people, they tend to think that, that that's referring to nothing more than you get to go to heaven when you die. You get the, the elevator goes up instead of the elevator goes down. Jesus saves me. But salvation is so much more. 
It's very much about what happens right now in this life. You see, Jesus, he wants to rescue us now from a way of life that is destructive, one that is detrimental to us and is hurting others as well. Salvation is all about coming to my senses and realizing that what the scriptures teach is absolutely true, that Jesus Christ is the creator of the universe. I was made by him and for him, and my life is meant to be lived with him, trusting him and following his ways because his ways are how I'm designed to live. And so they lead me to life. They lead me to health. They lead me to wholeness. That's what it means to be a Christian to turn to Christ, our creator, in trust, to put our faith in him, and then to choose to follow his good and loving ways, to be rescued from a destructive life. And folks, Christ, our creator, he's here today. He's wanting to rescue us from our unfiltered speech problem, from our unclean lips. And so his rescue plan involves helping us to do this, to understand the origin and the seriousness of our problem. You see, listen to what the creator Christ, what he says about our unfiltered speech, about where it originates. This is really important. You see, Jesus says, the mouth speaks from the overflow of the what? Heart. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, wow. You see, I think Jesus is teaching something I'm gonna call the overflow principle. And I actually have a demonstration now. This is, this is just gonna wow you, okay? This is, this is just amazing right here, watch this. Okay, I got a glass right here. And then I have a, this is a bottle of water, okay? Now watch, all right? Now, what's in this glass? Water. Why isn't there milk in this glass? Why isn't there orange juice in this glass? Why isn't there Pepsi in this glass? There's water in the glass because there was water in the bottle. It's deep, right? <laughs> take a drink. Fascinating. Just fascinating. That's the principle of overflow. And Jesus says that this principle of overflow applies to our speech. The words we speak originate in our hearts. They pour out of our hearts. So get this, guys. That means when we gossip, when we lie, when we slander, when we use cutting remarks, hurtful words, insults, filthy language, when cursing comes out of our mouths, it all originated in our hearts. Look how Jesus explains it in Luke's gospel. He says this. He says, good people bring good things out of the good that they've stored up where? In their hearts. But evil people bring evil things out of the evil they stored up in their hearts. People speak the things that are in their hearts. It couldn't be any more clear than that, could it? There's a social psychologist named James Pennebrook, and he spent years researching the significance of our words. What I love about the studies that I read about him is that he's not a Christian, 
but look, listen to the conclusions that he came from too. It's, it's fascinating. In a book called The Secret Life of Pronouns, he explains how he and a team of grad students developed a sophisticated computer program that analyzes what our words say about us. And based on his research, he claims, he claims this, that words we, the words we generate over a lifetime are like fingerprints, fingerprints. He says that even the smallest words, the pronouns and the prepositions we use, that they broadcast the kind of people we are. Based on his research, we don't randomly choose our words. Instead, words reveal, he says, the condition of our hearts. He says this, he says, words act like powerful tools to excavate people's thoughts, feelings, motivations, and connections with others. They excavate. Or as Jesus said, the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. You see, we need to get this today. We don't have a speech problem. We got a heart problem. We've got a heart problem. Does this mean we have bad hearts? Does this mean that we are nasty, mean people? No, we don't have bad hearts, we have broken hearts. We're not bad people, we're broken people. Have you ever heard it said that hurt people hurt people? You know, hurtful words simply reveal a heart that has been hurt, wounded, broken in some way. But here's the good news we find in Psalm. The good news is that Christ, our creator, the Lord, he's near to who? The brokenhearted. And he saves, he rescues those who are crushed in spirit, those who are undone by their brokenness. And it says too that he wants to heal, heal the brokenhearted. He wants to heal our broken hearts. There are all kinds of ways that a heart can be broken often by its hurtful words that have been spoken to us at one point, but our God wants to heal our broken, hurting hearts. In Proverbs 27, 19, it tells us why it's so incredibly important that we allow God to do a work of healing in our hearts. Because listen to this. It says, just as water reflects a person's true face, so the human heart reflects what? A person's true character. The human heart reflects a person's true character. So, so let's stop and think about this. If my words reflect my heart, and if my heart reflects my character, then doesn't that mean that my words actually reflect my character? It's kind of like a geometry proof, right? Should I say it one more time? You know, words reflect my heart. My heart reflects my character. Therefore, my words reflect my character, who I really am. So here's the big question we've got to be willing to ask ourselves. What are my words saying about who I really am? Not who I think I am. Not who I project myself to be. Not even who I want to be, but who I really am. What are my words telling me? about who I really am. Let's go further in examining the seriousness of it all. Another New York Times article called Why Big Liars Often Start Out as Small Ones. And the article talked about this study that revealed how people who tell small self-serving lies 
are likely, are likely, are likely to progress to bigger falsehoods. And over time, the reason they're able to is because the brain appears to adapt to dishonesty. The findings suggest that the negative emotional signals associated with lying in the brain, actually in the amygdala, it decreases and the brain becomes desensitized. So that's why you start off with the small little lies, but eventually over time, you're telling big ones because your brain just adapts and becomes desensitized. So that makes me wonder if similar studies were to be done, would, would they show that the negative emotional signals associated with gossip and slander decrease as the brain becomes desensitized, right? And would it show that the negative emotional signals associated with harsh words and cutting remarks, it decreases as the brain becomes desensitized? It's just not a big deal. The negative emotional signals associated with foul language, with filthy language, with profanity, it decreases as the brain becomes desensitized. Here's the thing, apparently not only do our words reflect our character, they also have the power to form our character. Hear what I'm saying? Form our character. They can change us. Words don't just say things, they do things. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, I warned you at the beginning of this message that we were probably going to get real uncomfortable, didn't I? But folks, that's not a bad thing. The light of God's word may cause us to have an undone kind of moment, but it's this very experience that you and I need in order to heal and to change. It's in our undone moments that we can discover that Christ is not done with us. We may be undone, but he's not done, right? We are undone, feel utterly broken, but he says, I'm not done with you yet. I love, as a new Christian, I love this verse and I still love it, in Philippians, it was so encouraging to me. The Apostle Paul says, I am certain, I am confident, I am sure that God who began a good work in you, within you, he will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Paul reminded the Philippian believers and he's reminding you and I today that God is not done with us and he will never, ever give up on us. We might give up on ourselves, but he never gives up on us, and he promises to continue his work in us right up until the day when Christ Jesus comes back to this planet. So in his undone moment, the apostle Paul had cried out. Remember, he said, what a miserable person I am. Who will rescue me? Thank God Jesus Christ will rescue me, and Jesus is here today to rescue us. Maybe I should say to rescue those of us who desire to be rescued from our unfiltered speech. Those of us who desire to have clean lips from this day forward. Those of us who desire to have tongues that speak only words of life. He's here to rescue us. He's here to heal us, to cleanse us. But in order to do so, we've got to examine the scope of our unfiltered speech problem personally. We've got to own it and not minimize it. 
And we've got to understand that our problem is not a speech problem, it's a heart problem. And then, and then we gotta be willing to do this, simply take decisive action. Take decisive action. Pastor Randy so often explains to us, explains that just the simplicity of living out the Christian life. He, remember, he, he always says it's about stopping and starting. He says, because we truly trust Christ and his way, we will stop doing what he says in his word that we should not do because it's not good for us. It's damaging to us and to others. And then we will start doing what he says in his word to do because it's good for us and it's good for others. It's that simple. Now, it's not easy. I didn't say it was easy, but it's simple. So in his letter to the Ephesians, Paul makes this simple stop and start action ever so clear when it comes to our unfiltered speech. Listen to what he says. He says, let no, let no, not, not, you can let a little bit. No, no, no harmful language come from your mouth. Only good words that are helpful in meeting the need. Words that will benefit those who hear him. So the decisive action we need to take is to determine that before we leave here today, we are determining we will stop allowing unfiltered speech to come from our mouths. It's simply unacceptable. It is no longer an option in my life. No more hurtful words, no more. No more cutting remarks. No more sarcasm, no more lies, no more deceitful speech, no more harsh words, no more hostile words, no more insults, no more gossip, no more slander, no more foul and filthy words, no more profanity. These are completely unacceptable and they are no longer an option for my way of communicating. Done. I'm making that decision today. And then if unfiltered words do come out of our mouths, we will just immediately, we'll stop and we will own it and we'll confess it to God as wrong and sinful. Confess just means that, Lord, I'm in agreement with you. I don't want this. This is bad. I don't want this in my life. And then we'll ask him to once again rescue us from a damaging and destructive way of communicating. And if needed, we'll say, I'm sorry to whomever we spoke those words to. And then furthermore, we will determine before we leave here today, this decisive action, that we will start using words that are good words, that are helpful words, words that benefit others. When we're in a conversation, we'll engage our minds and we will ask ourselves, is what I'm about to say helpful? Is it beneficial? And if not, we will slam on the brakes and we will stop ourselves from saying it. In our speech, we will continually look for ways to speak good words that are helpful and they're beneficial and they build up those who are hearing them. And you know why we can make this decision and take this decisive action today? Because the Apostle Paul says, I can, we can, we can do all things through Christ because he is the one who will give us the strength. Our job is to just make the decision and take the decisive action. Lean on him for the strength to carry it out. Amen. And if we do this, can, let's just get a vision now. Can you just imagine, 
If all of us in this room here today, we actually took this very decisive action when it came to our speech, can you imagine the impact it would have? Can you imagine the radical transformation that would take place in so many homes? Can you begin to imagine the radical transformation that would occur in so many marriages? Can you imagine the radical transformation in our places of work, in our circles of friendship, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our church? All because we choose today to take decisive action. We will stop and we will start. And we're determining today no more hurtful words. It's unacceptable and no longer an option in my life. Only good, only what builds up and helps. Let's pray. Father God, your word is beautiful. We thank you for shining a light, a light of truth on us and over us today that we can see what we need to see and we can have this undone moment because you wanna raise us up now and you wanna bring some healing and change and transformation in us. So Father, I pray that each person here will take decisive action, that we'll lean on you and into you for the strength that we need, but we will make the decision today. No harmful language, no more unfiltered speech, only what is good. We love you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.